And you know, if you got two or three of those symptoms, like welcome to life, especially life in you know right. this era. Yeah. If you got five or six, you might be suffering from mid-grade burnout, which I think a lot of people are. But for me, my body just basically went on strike. It just said, you can't do this anymore. I'm shutting down. We are not gonna play like this anymore. And so it really took me out of the game. Welcome to One Next Step, the most practical business podcast in the world, helping you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence with tips and tools you didn't get in business school. Here are your hosts, Trisha Shortino and Lisa Zeveld. Welcome to One Next Step, the practical business podcast that helps you run your business and make it stop running you so you can enjoy your work and your life. I'm Trisha Shortino, the CEO of Belay. And I'm Lisa Zeveld, the COO of Belay. Together, we're TNLZ. We've known each other since 2005, and we've had the privilege of working together now for almost a decade. We've grown a 100% remote business from startup to being recognized on the Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies list for six years running. Yes, LZ and I have learned a lot along the way, and we have made some great friends and partners. For the one next step, we are cashing in some favors to bring you episodes filled with excellent content delivered by some talented people. And we may have a thing or two to add ourselves. The one next step is here to help you on your leadership journey. Each week, we release a new episode answering your questions about running an organization. We'll always highlight one next step for you to take immediate action and include an activation guide that reinforces what you've heard today. We're excited today to talk to you about how to beat burnout, and we'll be joined by Carrie Newhoff, founder and CEO of Carrie Newhoff Communications, which produces content and training resources for leaders. He will share wisdom gained from helping millions of leaders online and from his own experience battling back from burnout. Burnout is real, but it's also misunderstood. Burnout comes from constant exposure to emotional and interpersonal stressors at work or at home, or how about both of those? And who fits the bill? Hardworking, high achievings like you and me and everyone listening to this podcast. People who don't care rarely get burned out. As Dr. Laura Hamill of the Limeade Institute wrote, you have to first be on fire in order to be burnt out. And this is why burnout is so prevalent among the best and the biggest leaders. Burnout typically occurs when high-performing people have increasingly low well-being. So in this episode, we will learn how to understand, avoid, and overcome burnout. Before we hear today's podcast, let's talk about burnout. We're all busy, but there is no great, not even any good, that comes from burning the candle at both ends. And at the end of this episode, your one next step will be a download called A Leader's Guide to Battling Burnout and Winning. It's a collection of Carrie Newhoff's best articles and podcasts on burnout, with interviews featuring leaders like Dr. Henry Cloud, Fabric CEO Dana Spinola, leadership coach Joe Saxton, and Enneagram guru Ian Morgan Crone. And a bonus, it also includes a link to Carrie's burnout quiz. So stick around for how you can get access. Our guest today, Kerry Newhoff, knows how it feels to be burnt out because he experienced it over 10 years ago while leading a growing church in Canada, but he also overcame it. So today, he'll help us avoid a few pitfalls that lead to burnout and speak to people who feel like perhaps they're just right there on the edge. 
Carey speaks to leaders around the world about leadership, change, and personal growth. He writes one of today's most widely read Christian leadership blogs at www.carrynewhoff.com and hosts the top-rated Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. He's also the author of several best-selling books, including his latest, Didn't See It Coming, Overcoming the Seven Greatest Challenges That No One Expects But Everyone Experiences which you will find in the show notes at onenextsteppodcast.com. Now, here's our interview with Carrie Newhoff. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. We're so happy to have you with us today. So great to be with you, Trisha and Lisa. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to be together again. Yeah, so good to see you. It's been a while. So there's so many things you can talk to us about today, but we're going to talk about burnout. Before we get there, though, I would love if you would just tell us a little bit about yourself and your story before we kind of jump into the topic at hand. Yeah, sure. So I'm a husband and dad, been married to my wife for three decades and I have two boys in their 20s now, both kind of launched into life. So one's a software engineer, one's an accountant by training, and actually the younger one works with me. So uh, in my company, these days, I work full-time on equipping leaders, little communications company. So I'm a podcaster, speaker, author, working on my fifth book. And uh, we serve about a million and a half leaders a month uh, online which is awesome. We love being able to do it. And the mission is to help people thrive in life and leadership. I'm also a uh, pastor by training and vocation. So I'm now founding pastor and for two decades was lead pastor of Connexus Church, but handed that off five years ago in a succession plan. So I'm focused full-time on leaders these days. That's awesome. Well, you sound pretty busy. And so today we've asked you to join us to talk a little bit about burnout. You've done a lot and you see a lot of leaders, you help a lot of leaders, like you said, to thrive. And so um, I just want to start out by, you know, kind of jumping right in and saying, you know, how do you define burnout? Yeah, I'm pretty good at it. I burned out when I was doing a lot less. Okay, so. Burned out in my 20s, burned out in my 30s, burned out in my 40s. I'd like to avoid the burnout in my 50s. If somebody somebody showed me what I was going to be doing in my 50s, you know, I'd be like, there's no way you can do that all. But I learned my lesson the hard way. So uh, burnout for me, this is not a medical definition. Um, I actually increasingly believe that burnout happens really on a scale. Like if you think about it as a scale of one to 10, and I've, I've identified 11 symptoms, I'll go through a few of them, but it's not medical. So I'm not a medical doctor, not a clinical psychologist, anything like that. Sure, but sure. these are things I've seen in myself, seen in other leaders. So uh, loss of passion. I'm a pretty passionate person. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I burned out, I really lost my passion, not just for one thing. Sometimes you're like, yeah, I used to be passionate about, you know, cycling or something and I'm not anymore. That's pretty normal. Mm -hmm. But like when your passion goes down on all channels for all things, that's an alarm that you need to pay attention to. Another would be flat emotions. So your emotions go really crazy when you're burned out. Either you're totally numb and you don't feel anything, or sometimes you'll be like in this numb coma, but then every once in a while, just get absolutely livid about something that you shouldn't (laughs) be mad about, or your emotions are backwards. So something good happens, but you don't really feel it. And something bad happens but like you're kind of glad it happened and it's like, whoa, my emotions are not working well. So your emotions get all all crazy. Uh, For me, real drop in productivity. 
I, I am pretty productive at the best of times or at the mm -hmm. worst of times. When I was burned out, I just couldn't accomplish much at all. Inability to think straight, just this mental fog that never really lifted. Um, didn't laugh anymore. Like I'm, I'm, I'm an Enneagram eight mm. with a seven wing. So like nothing was funny anymore. And I wasn't I can fun. relate. <laughs> I'm an eight, seven wing. Oh, there you go. Exactly the same yeah, profile. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah. like that fun, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. If I'm not laughing, something's wrong. If I can't find a giggle in my day. Exactly. Yeah. Well that disappeared yeah. entirely for me. Mm. And, um, yeah, those were, those were really concerning. There are other symptoms as well. Uh, another big one, and I'll just leave it here, but uh, rest and sleep no longer refuel you. So you've lost the cause mm, and effects. Wow. So you take a vacation, but you don't feel better. Uh, I took three mm. weeks off the summer I burned out thinking, okay, this is going to solve it. Did not solve it. I was worse when I finished mm. then. And it wasn't like I was busy. I wasn't that busy. I just, just wasn't, wasn't good. And so there should be a cause and effect. And you know that sometimes you're in a really full season. It's like mm. two or three nights you need to really recharge but there is that, okay, I put in the, the investment, I slept, I rested, I took time off. Now I feel better when that cause and effect leaves. And so I've got a list of like 11 symptoms on my blog that I've shared with a lot of leaders. And I think you guys are going to link to my burnout quiz. Yeah. And, you know, if you got two or three of those symptoms, like welcome to life, especially life in, you know, right. this era, yeah. uh, you're, you're going to be battling one or two of those every once in a while. If you got five or six, you might be suffering from mid-grade burnout out, which I think a lot of people are. But for me, when I was like 11 for 11, that is my, my body just basically went on strike. It just said, you can't do this anymore. I'm shutting down. We are, we are not going to play like this anymore. And so it really took me out of the game. Yeah. Well, you kind of teed it up and started to share a little bit about that you experienced this. So mm. would you mind if we just got really vulnerable and transparent and you share kind of what your experience with burnout was? Yeah, it was uh, the most painful experience of my life. And uh, it happened to me when I was around 40, maybe 41. And I had, I'd been in school a long time. So, you know, high school and then three university degrees. So I have a degree in history and political science, law, full law thing, you know, got called the bar, the whole deal, and then went into seminary. So it took me a long time to like be done. So I started full-time leadership at 30 in the church. And we started to grow really quickly. We became the fastest growing church in the country in our denomination. I'm Canadian and one of the larger ones in the country. And I just didn't know how to keep up with growth. Like we started with a half dozen <laughs> people. The church would have fit right here in my office, like very comfortably. And uh, we grew to about six, 700 by the time I burned out. And it was a pretty rapid rise. And because we didn't have a lot of peers, and I didn't know a lot of people who led churches that size, I know that's not particularly big for America, mm -hmm. but for Canada, I felt like I was going solo. We were starting to attract yeah. national attention. I couldn't really keep up. We were adding staff. I didn't know how to lead staff. You know, our marriage was not in a great place at that time. And my kids were getting into very active years. So it was like, go, 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 go. And then my formula was like more people equals more hours. And it's really confusing. Like when you lead a church, when you, cause I was in law for a few years, like in law, it's like, oh, it's just a job. So you can leave it and go home. And I guess if they fire mm -hmm. me, they fire me. But there's so much that is fused with your identity as a pastor. It's like, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm also a pastor. And so it got really confusing. And I, I felt like if I, if I step back from my duties at church, it would be unfaithful. 
So it was really, really confusing. And then for years, I had people tell me I was going to burn out. And I didn't believe them because I thought being an Enneagram 8, I was smarter than that. I was better than that. I was stronger <laughs> than that. And we do. This is the challenge, yeah. right? Yeah. It, you can run that fast. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, I wake up with, with 200% battery life. And, you know, so it's just like, well, I'll just keep going. And then eventually, like in May of 2006, it just kind of all shut down. And I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, okay, I had a bad day. I'm like, I'm not very passionate. I'm really exhausted. And then mm -hmm. it just wouldn't go away. All that cause and effect, like all the stuff that I would normally do to get mm -hmm. better, stopped working. Right. And so my body went on strike. And I was, I never got a clinical diagnosis for depression, but I'm, my wife's got a medical background as a pharmacist. She's pretty sure that I was like clinically depressed. And uh, it was awful. It was so dark. I'm, a, I'm an optimist. I'd grown cynical. Yeah. That's another sign of burnout. And I kind of thought it was over. Wow. Yeah. That's heavy. Yeah, that is. And I'm sure so many people can relate to that, especially right now. Especially right now. Um, yeah. In the world today. Yeah. yeah. I, I bet there's more people today that can relate to your story. It's hard. Like I look at my newsfeed right now and even social has gotten so dark and I'm like, okay, that's enough. Like I just, but it doesn't, it doesn't kill my soul. It doesn't corrode my soul. I mean, I'm bothered by it, but yeah. I mean, I kind of felt like the year 2020 mm -hmm. has felt. That was my interior journey back in 2006. It was just <laughs> yeah. everywhere you looked was negative. Yeah. And, and, and this is the weird part. Um, I mean, sometimes people fall into burnout or depression because things are really going badly. They were not going badly. Like we were seeing people baptized. We, our church was growing. I had a great wife, great kids. Now I wasn't getting along with my wife at that time, but like, you know, on the outside, everything was great, but on the inside it was imploding. And that makes you even feel guilty mm. or, or bizarre because you're like, okay, well, if all this bad stuff happened, then it explains it. But like, nope, burnout just kind of took me out. Yeah. So why do you think it's so common amongst top performers? You know, so how do people end up with their worsening well-being as they're pushing to grow organizations to new heights? What are we, what are we trying to do? It's, it's great. I think we're trying to, you know, it's like Icarus. We're getting a little too close to the sun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's good. Some of that's ambition. Some of that's pride. Yeah, melting. For sure. That was part of my journey. Yeah. And then a lot of it is a really bad formula. Like sometimes our motivations aren't great. Like often, even in ministry, you know, a pastor's motivation isn't always pure. Some of it's ego, some of it's like insecurity. Mm -hmm. So you got to wade through all of that. And I, I went to a lot of counseling to work through that junk. And it's still a daily battle. I have to make sure because on the days I don't surrender, it can be about my ego. It can be, you know, all the right things for all the wrong reasons. Right. And so that can be the case. Like growth is not a virtue. And I'm like kind of addicted to growth. I love things mm -hmm. that I lead to be growing, but growth itself is not a virtue. I think I just needed to hear that. <laughs> I know I think, that was kind I think, of a really. I, I think I just needed to hear that. That growth is not a virtue. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> yes, it should yes. be a byproduct. Like you're serving enough yeah. people, right? With what your company does. Uh, you're serving enough people and helping. Uh, it's the old Zig Ziglar thing. If you, if you help enough mm -hmm. people get what they want, you'll eventually get what you want. But sometimes Simon Sinek, I'm just finishing up the infinite game. It's such a good book. Yeah. And 
Um, you know, he just talks about the problem with that finite game where it's zero sum game, you win, you lose. So I think some of that is there. Yeah. And then the formula is bad. So I had gotten okay at time management when I was in my 30s, but I did not understand energy management or priority management. And mm-hmm. so actually, that's my new book. I'm, I'm literally in the final edits right now as we record this interview. It'll be out in September of 2021. But I began to realize that energy management was going to be a really important thing for me to pay attention to because I had no energy left. Mm-hmm. And most of us only get, and I've taught, I've taught this to, to your company and you've I taken- I was going to say, you, you have a course as well. You have I a have a course. course on managing your energy and time. And we here at Belay, our leadership team went through your course. Yeah. And thank you for that. And that'll now be in book form uh, in a much more expanded (laughs) form. So that's going to be my next book, but right. It's that principle that you kind of have three to five productive hours in a day. And you guys are very fortunate. You can tell how much I esteem you because I allowed you to book something in my most productive hours of the day. So you're getting- we, oh, <laughs> we're honored. Yeah, we're there honored. you go. We're honored. Uh, no, but you know what? It's one of those things, like, think about it, right? Like, when would your top of, when, when do you start to drag in the day? Because everyone's a little bit different, but where you're like, oh, I have a meeting and I hope I stay awake for it. What, what, time, of, what time of day is that for you guys? Three o'clock. Three o'clock. Three Patricia, p.m. how about you, Lisa? <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, I'm kind of a late morning kind of gal. So I, you know, I've got a lot of energy first thing. And then towards lunch, I think mine's around food. I really like to eat. So by 1130, (laughs) you're like, yeah, by 1130, I start. And, and it was interesting when Mm -hmm. we went through this course as a leadership team and we compared each other's energy, you know, levels and times was quite eye-opening. And we did make some changes when we're all together as a group so that each leader is showing up as their best in that moment. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. So in the in the book version, I divide the day into what I call green, yellow, and red zones, which are pretty easy. Mm-hmm. It's like, when's your energy at your peak? It's like a green light. You're all, you know, green means go. Red is like, oh my goodness, where's the nearest bed? I need to get a nap mm-hmm. right now, or I need some more caffeine. I need a massive injection, an IV drip of caffeine. And yellow is the in-between. Yeah. And we, we live a lot of our time in between. We're not at our best, but it's not terrible. And what I started to do was apply the Pareto principle of, uh, I'm only really good at a couple things. When I was in my 20s, I thought I was great at everything. You know, Now that I'm in my mm-hmm. 50s, I'm like, no, you're really a communicator. That's it. You should be writing or preaching or, you know, whatever you're doing, (laughs) speaking. Uh, And so I'm not very good at stuff. But what you do is you end up cheating your gift. So I I would say my principal gifting is communication. And because it's your principal gifting, you can do it really well. Like I I, I imagine one of you, maybe both of you, you're pretty good at spreadsheets and P&Ls and balance sheets. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm like, hey, can you get this together for the meeting? you'd be like, oh yeah, I'll just whip that together. Well, that'd be like a 12-day project for me and it would be long, okay? But like for me, if you're like, hey, uh, our staff is meeting at dinner tonight. Could you, could you give them a quick 30-minute pep talk and write something from scratch? I could probably do that by lunch today. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. not that hard. Get a few bullet points mm-hmm. together and, and wing it. And the problem is in your area of gifting, that's what you do is you wing it. Yeah. And so what I did was I took what I was best at and started doing it when I'm at my best. Mm. So I give my peak energy to writing and editing and preparing because that's what moves the needle in the company. That's what moves the needle in my ministry. 
And when I started doing that, it's sort of like slay your dragons before breakfast. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, if I got my message together and I've got like my most important content together, then by 10 a.m., I kind of kind of won the day. Yeah. Like, mm. yes, I can do the email later. And yes, I can do uh, some other things later. But when I made those changes and started paying attention to my energy levels and not competing with them, but cooperating with them, that's when everything really started to change for me. And then I had to get really good at saying no, because, yeah. you know, even today I've said no three times to speaking opportunities and yeah. You know, for most leaders who would listen to a podcast like this, the opportunities available exceed the time available. Mm-hmm. And that's a challenge, right? And and a lot of us are people pleasers. So I was really bad at saying no in my 30s. So on the other side of burnout, I learned how to say no nicely. Yeah, that, that's just a perfect answer or the beginning of what becomes an answer of avoiding burnout. Yeah, well, because you can't do everything, you know. It's what Greg McEwen says. You can do anything. You just can't do everything. Mm. So you got to choose. And yeah, so I I developed this whole system, which you guys have trained your team in, and I'm developing and refining even further to help leaders figure out, okay, what am I best at? When am I at my best? How do I say no? Uh, I've learned something called categorical decision-making because Mm. life is a million different decisions. So this Mm -hmm. wasn't in the course. It'll be in the book. But categorical decision-making is like sometimes you can eliminate whole categories of things from your life. So one decision that makes a thousand decisions for you. For example, mm-hmm. I don't do breakfast meetings anymore. And I used to do them a lot, but they were in my green zone. So I just eliminated mm. breakfast meetings. And now if anyone asks for a breakfast meeting, the answer generally is no. You don't have to make a decision. Yeah, one decision makes a thousand decisions. Mm, um, yeah. uh, we have criteria for the speaking engagements that I accept and the ones that I don't accept. So my team can pretty much predict now. And we're like, well, this will be a no. And we just kind of know. That way you're not looking at everything idiosyncratically. You're looking mm. at it categorically. And that helps. And can you make exceptions? Like, I don't do weddings. I'm a pastor. Mm. I don't do weddings. Now, I sometimes I haven't done any in 2020, covid helps with that. (laughs) But it would be family or staff. Well, I don't have that many family and I don't have that many staff, you know? So if a niece wants to get married, of course, I'm going to be participating in her wedding. I did my assistant's wedding, but I don't have 196 assistants. I have one or two. So, you know, if you're in that inner circle, of course, I'm going to help you out, but it just makes it really easy. And then it's easy for the team who can just say, I'm sorry, he doesn't do weddings. Yeah. You know, and then it's like, oh, but these these people do. So categorical decision making and and everybody's decisions will be different. But what kind of meetings do you take? How long mm-hmm. are those meetings? What are your criteria for saying yes to? Who are the most important people in your circle? Because they should have access to you. So we work through all that stuff. And that's made it a lot easier. And of course, you know, as as we started by saying, you know, I'm probably leading 10 times what I led when I burned out but I'm doing it with margin. Like at three o'clock this Mm -hmm. afternoon, I'm going out on my bike for a 90 minute ride. And then I'm going to barbecue something, grill something for my my family. And then my son's coming over tonight. We're going to hang out and set something up together. And, you know, I'm getting more done than ever and have more time off than ever. It's kind of weird. I think that probably sounds like a dream to most of our leaders listening right now. They can't even fathom doing that. So I love how you talked about energy. To me, it kind of comes down to a lot of intentionality. 
It, yes. It's the ideal work week. It's managing the intentionality. It's, it's looking at categorizing those decisions and in turn, reducing the burnout. Well, bad things happen by accident, right? So it has yes, to be intentional. Yes. Like your life never drifts to a better place. It only drifts yeah. to a worse place. And I get, I don't want to overstate. I mean, do I have challenging seasons? Yes, I have challenging seasons. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's the nature of leadership. You think of most of the leaders who are listening to this podcast, they're leading, growth has its challenges, decline has its challenges. The demands of the day are bigger than the time available in the day. And so it's always drifting toward bad. It's never drifting toward good. So you have to be super intentional. And sometimes you get the categories wrong. And then when you realize, I probably should have said yes to that. Well, you can go back. Or I probably should have right. said no to that. I'm, I'm more often in the, I should have said no, but I said yes. Why did right. I say yes? When we talk about it as a team. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, you know, you've yeah. been there, you've lived there. It's like, why did, you, you look at your calendar, right? And you're yeah. like, why did I say yes what to this? What am I doing? Yes. <laughs> Okay, so we are we consider ourselves the most practical business podcast in the world. Yes. <laughs> okay, so one thing we like to do on our podcast is really um, talk about one practical next thing that somebody can do. So if you could offer, what is one next step somebody can take to recover from burnout? If somebody mm. is burnt out today and they're mm-hmm. feeling some of those things you talked about, some of those 11 things, what is one practical step they can take today? right now when they're listening to this to step out of that burnout mode. If you could tell them to do one thing, what would that Well, be? if you're like me, you're going to hate this, but I'm going to give you the advice. You <laughs> go deep. Um, go deep. There, there's some stuff, there's some personal stuff that is driving your dysfunctional behavior, that's driving your desire to say yes, that's, that's driving your desire to overcommit. Uh, I had to unpack it. You know, I invested thousands of dollars and probably hundreds of hours in coaches and counselors and from my own faith tradition and prayer and mentors and kind of got to the bottom and it's a gooey bottom. Like it's not pleasant Mm -hmm. and you see stuff about yourself that you don't really like. But, but the good news is like there was a point in the summer of 2006 where I, where I had really lost hope. And I remember being at the counselor's office and he said, Carrie, do you remember how you feel? I know how I feel. There's like no hope. Everything was just kind of, you know, there's no sunlight on the horizon. And he just said, I want you to remember this. He said, because you're going to get out of this. I don't know how he knew I was going to get out of this because I didn't, I thought this was my life. Like I'd wrecked it. And he goes, but I want you to remember this because this is how uh, some people feel and some people will not get out of it. And so I just want to encourage you. I, I coached a really good friend of mine about five years ago, he came up here and he had just turned 50 and his dad had died and he was burning out and he took a 30 day sabbatical and halfway through his sabbatical, he flew up. He's from Atlanta. He flew up here to Toronto where I am to hang out with me and spend some time with me. And he, I remember meeting him and he's like, Carrie, I'm so frustrated. I'm 15 days into my sabbatical. And I don't think I'm better. Like I'm still burned out. And I'm like, I, I have permission to tell his story publicly. I'm like, Jeff, I'm like, I don't think it works that way, man. And like, if God wants to take you far, he's going to take you deep. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so you only go as far as you go deep. And so I would say that's tell somebody, go see a counselor, maybe go see your doctor and go get some help. 
And perhaps I didn't take any medication, but perhaps you need some medication, but um, you have to go underneath that because you can't just treat the symptom. You've got to get to the problem. And uh, I've known, I'm a fan of medication. I think it's very, very good. But like, you know, to simply take the edge off the pain, why don't you get to the root of the pain, figure out what's driving that dysfunctional behavior. Mm -hmm. And then the hope is I'm 55. Uh, Man, there's a lot of life left at 55. I feel better than I did at 35. I'll tell you that. (laughs) And, um, you know, hopefully I've got a couple of decades left, maybe three decades left to make a contribution. And so it's not over. Life isn't over. Um, You got a lot of good years ahead of you and a lot of good time, like, you know, the relationship you have with your adult children can be very rich. Your, your marriage can get mm. better. So I'd, I'd go digging because if God wants to uh, take you far, he's going to want to go deep. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. And I love the analogy. I, I kind of make up my own here, but it's not just turning off the engine light, right? We're all driving our car. Mm. The engine yeah, light disable comes that on. light, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yes, right. You just can't disable it. You got to find out what's actually happening in your engine. Um, and also, I love the fact that you said it's okay to take medicine. It's okay to talk to people. This is not about a weakness thing. It's not because you're not a competent leader. It's none of those things. It just it really does happen to the best of us. It happens to the best leaders. And take the time to dig deep, get to the gooey mm-hmm. bottom, and uh, and get rest. And when is that a bad thing? Like I'm, and, and if you really go deep, if you, if you get into like, what are some of the childhood things and what are some of the, the drivers that are not healthy, that just spreads into your whole life. Like your friendships yeah. are better. Your, right. your marriage, if you're married is better. Your parenting is better. And I think I'm a better boss. Like we have a great mm-hmm. team and I really enjoy working with them. And most days I wake up really excited about what I get to do with a bit of balance in my step. And so, you know, there's a better future Mm -hmm. because, you know, here's the alternative, right? We all build lives we want to escape from. And so your escape is on the weekends. Your escape is binging on Netflix. It's like, oh, I'm so glad work is done. And, you know, for entrepreneurs, you worked a 15-hour day and you just want that one hour of Netflix before you go to bed or you're drinking too much or mm-hmm. you're living for the vacation. And, and a great vacation or sabbatical can't make up for a pathetic life. So you got to mm-hmm. take, you know, steps to make it better. And the mantra I've sort of had for the last 15 years is, live in a way today that will help you thrive tomorrow. So I try to do that. Wow, that's great. And that's why, you know, I got the 3, 3.30 bike ride today, uh, <laughs> why my son's yeah. coming over, yeah. and I'm going to yeah. ship on the stuff that's really important. So Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's a great place to end. So thank you so much, Carrie, for just imparting this wisdom on our leaders who are listening today and our team members and just encouraging them to take time out and hopefully to avoid burnout, but if they're in burnout right now, to seek some help. So thank you so much for joining us and for allowing us to use some of your green space. I know. (laughs) Thank you for your green time. Thank you, Carrie. Uh, You guys, thank you so much for all that you do. We really appreciate, I really appreciate you. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Tricia. Really appreciate you both. Thanks, Carrie. Okay, Carrie had so much good stuff. I hated to end the conversation. I felt like we could talk for another 30 minutes or so. So while I'm processing all that goodness, I would love to hear what is your takeaway? Yes, you know what? He actually surprised me at the end there. When I asked him what was a practical tip he would give somebody who was sitting through burnout, I thought he was going to give some practical advice about 
reworking an ideal work week or realigning your energy. And what I love so much about his answer was he really talked about going deep Mm -hmm. and getting to the core reason, which really struck home with me. Like, right, you're probably burning out because you have some desire to overachieve. Mm -hmm. And where does that come from, right? What is the root cause that is really propelling you to take on too many things, say yes to all the things, and kind of be out of balance? Is it ego? Is it pride? What are those things that are underneath the surface? And I really loved that that was his answer to that question. So that was it for me. Yeah, yeah. No shutting off the check engine light. You know, go deep, find out what the real diagnostic Mm -hmm is to why you're burning out. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, obviously from my excitement level, I think when when he said growth is not a virtue, I was like, ouch, that I know. How could it not be? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think that for those of us who are overachievers, I may not be an Enneagram eight. Um, I'm a one, which we're very similar for those of you who follow along for Enneagram. Um, Without Enneagram, I'm definitely an overachiever. I, you know, want to crush every goal that's out there. I want to grow our business. Um, Basically, I just want to grow everything we touch. And so With that, it does mean that I have a hard time saying no. Mm. It's very easy for me to, you know, quote unquote, overwork. And and I think part of it is because I love what I do. You know, Mm. I am that person. Yesterday we did it, me and you, uh, T, you know, you asked, we were talking about growth and I sat down and just, you know, cranked out a spreadsheet and did some quick formulas, totally made my day. I don't get to do that very often anymore. Um, But I love what I do. And so it's really easy for me just to continue to work and see growth as a virtue. But I think that's short-sighted of me mm-hmm. because just because you love what you do and you're an overachiever doesn't mean that you're not eventually going to need to take a break and, right. and you're going to go through burnout. So I think that mm-hmm. although I may not be feeling all 11 you know, symptoms that he talked about, I, th- I think I do definitely you know, feel a couple at a time and it's good to be mm-hmm. mindful and watch that so I don't get to that place of feeling burnout. So yes. just really good yeah. stuff. All right. Well, you know what time it is, right, T? I know what time it is. <laughs> hammer time? Is it hammer time? Hammer time. <laughs> oh, no, it's not hammer time. Oh, okay. MC Hammer. I love it. <laughs> I want some hammer pants. <laughs> but as the most practical business podcast, we want to make sure that taking action isn't overwhelming to you. So each episode, we're going to offer you one next step to propel you and your business forward. And today's next step is, let's say, it's actually going to focus on you. And that's to download the activation guide, which is a leader's guide to battling burnout and winning. It's a collection of Carrie Newhoff's best articles and podcasts on burnouts with interviews featuring leaders like Dr. Henry Cloud, Fabric CEO Dana Spinola, leadership coach Joe Saxton, and Enneagram guru Ian Morgan Cron. Awesome. So to download it now, text the phrase One Next Step to 31996 or visit onenextsteppodcast.com. When you request today's guide, you're also going to receive a summary of today's episode, which includes key quotes and takeaways and links to resources mentioned in the episode. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and that you will join us next time for more practical tips and actionable tools to advance your business one step at a time. Until next time, own your journey. It's your life and your business. It's up to you to create the life and organization you want. So start by making today count. 
Thanks for listening to One Next Step. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Then join us next time for more practical business tips and tools to help you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence. For more episodes, show notes, and helpful resources, visit onenextsteppodcast.com.